Hello and welcome to James Bond Jr. and friends. I'm the fill-in host, James Page from MI6HQ.com and MI6 Confidential. And we're going to re- be reviewing episodes number 9, The Eiffel Missile, and 10, A Worm in the Apple, this week. And the links to YouTube are in the description below if you want to follow along. And this week we are joined with Calvin, Bill, Dr. Lisa, and Sean. Would you like to introduce yourself, guys? I'm Calvin Dyson, and I have a James Bond spy-themed YouTube channel where I make review videos primarily, and for these episodes, I have poured myself a nice glass of rosé. Ooh. Mm. Hi, I'm uh, Bill Koenig. I run the blog called The Spy Command. I am also the keeper of the Bond 25 timeline, and I'm kind of hoping it might come to an end this year, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that bit on Aliens. It's like, kill me, kill me, please. (laughs) (laughs) i'm dr lisa funnel i'm a university professor award-winning author and podcaster specializing in gender in james bond and other films and for this watch along i have some coffee because i want to be as alert and focused as possible to enjoy uh the upcoming attractions wow (laughs) (laughs) i'm really looking forward to these especially episode 10 because it's rife with double entendres and adult humor <laughs> which went over the heads of all the kids watching it at the time uh, and hello i'm sean longmore i'm a graphic designer and i sometimes do some james bond fan art not just james bond fan art but christmas jones fan art it- and spectac- uh, spectacular James Bond fan art. Don't underestimate yourself, Sean. I know. Oh. I'm, I'm literally sat here just surrounded by piles of your <laughs> your work, Sean. It's, it's like, seriously, this flat's becoming like just a Sean Longmore uh, temple. Gallery. Ad- admiration yeah. society. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Imagine um, if he did it full time. I mean, this is sometimes. That's right. Yeah. And you got paid handsomely as you deserve. That would be, that would be heaven. <laughs> Alrighty, everybody got episode nine? Yes. Just Eiffel bef- Missile. Yes. yes. Before, we, Sorry, we d- before we dive in, can I just ask a question about this title, the Eiffel Missile? It doesn't yeah. rhyme. Is it a pun that I just that is going over my head? Like obviously the Eiffel Tower, but the Eiffel Missile, it's not a play on that. It's just exchanging a word for a different word, unless there's something that I'm missing. Um, no, it's actually a big fat spoiler. <laughs> Which makes- oh. <laughs> so I, I don't know why oh. they would put that in the title of it. Oh, you mean you mean a spoiler like on the old James Bond soundtracks, Death of yeah. Goldfinger, Death of yeah. Fiona. Death of Aki. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if you say it, the Eiffel, wait, Eiffel, Eiffel Missile, does that rhyme? Eiffel Missile. Eiffel Missile. Is it like Eiffel Missile? Is that what it's going for? The Eiffel Missile. The Eiffel Missile. No. no. <laughs> I'm trying no. to like say it in my head, and I'm like, I don't think it's working, Calvin. I'm trying. Uh, <laughs> when when uh, Marvel uh, did the, when Marvel did the adaptation, they called it the Eiffel Target, <laughs> which is like doesn't make any more sense either. Are the t- are the, are because the it's not the target pop? in the. It's not a target. I mean, sorry, Sean. Mm. Sorry, are the, t- are, the, are the titles usually puns? Have I just missed them all? Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of them try to bring in terms and words and kind of like the feel of a James Bond title, but I mean, they had to make 64 of them, right? So, like, Yeah, you know, that is true. Plunder Down Under, for instance, right. <laughs> that we covered in a previous episode. Like, that's got a nice sort of, Plunder Down Under, it's a nice bit of, um, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't exactly rhyme, but yeah. it's, it's something. It's, it's, it's a new brand of underwear. 
Oh, like Pompeii and Circumstance. I'm just looking right. at a list of titles now. That's another all right one. No Such Lock. Brilliant. Uh, oh, what episode's that? 16. Oh, I can't wait till we get there. I know. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> um, and like you get the odd random one, like Quantum Diamond. I mean, that like literally means nothing. But... Live and Let's Dance, episode 23. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to plug the Special Agent Oso titles. Yes. That tend to do it so much better. Like on her, like on Her Majesty's Secret Service is something like on her sister's special salad or something like that. Like they really do a good job of really putting in like ridiculous puns. And then the episodes are actually about these these actual topics and teaching kids morals and stories. Mm. So they did it better. All right, we have I'm ready two... for some James Bond Jr. Let's do this. Yeah. Well, we have yes. two new villains as well in these two episodes. Mm-hmm. So um, if you're offended by bad French accents, <laughs> uh, this is for you. And then the next one is if, um, <laughs> if you're a fan of worms, the next one sucks. So. Mm. All right. So captions on, mute on in three, two, one. Play. This is a very generic looking Heathrow Airport. <laughs> so they're keeping the whole little pre title sequence thing going. Yeah. And this one's quite an action packed one, isn't it? We have uh, Skullcap here, new villain. Uh, How did he get through security with that? <laughs> well, he didn't, <laughs> like, did he? Pre existing they- condition <laughs> certificate. <laughs> Need my metal cap, please. So, if he had an accident, would it like if he fell down and hurt his ass, would he be called butt cap? I mean, that's <laughs> too literal, isn't it? Hmm. This is the fastest motorized <laughs> stairs in the world. Uh, I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty fast. It's like Fast and Furious Six. This. <laughs> now it's got to go underneath, right? And then... <laughs> oh, that's fancy. Mm. Oh, yeah. I think this action's pretty good. Yeah, Daniel Craig and Casino Rail, suck it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look at this. Fantastic. I mean, he's beating Tom Cruise here, <laughs> right? Unexplained. Stop. Okay. <laughs> Lasers. I thought we were going to get some sort of like octopusy hanging on the outside of the airplane sort of thing, but nope. We'll just, he just found his way in. Oh, oh, his special power is headbutting. No one wins with a headbutt ever. <laughs> we're, we're about at uh, 144, 145, thereabouts. It doesn't matter, but I just want to be sure I'm like around the same place. Yep. Okay. That's there was fine. a continuity error just now where James Bond Jr. took control of the plane and made a quip that he's never flown anything before. And we, of course, in right. our watch along of episode mm-hmm. one, saw him mm-hmm. fly the uh, the DB5 when it converted into a little plane. Yeah. To be fair, that's a car. Continuity. <laughs> <laughs> forget that stuff. <laughs> I love how Calvin's like, no, we're calling out James Bond Jr. today. So speaking of continuity, so Heathrow Airport's in west of London, and he lands his parachute in Dover. So, yep, yeah. he was high up. We're, 
Where's Dover? South Coast with the cliffs because there's all these cliffs in Jason Jr. Oh, wow. Okay. But mm. um, this episode makes up about half the title sequence, these next I two thought, episodes. See, I've never seen this one before, I don't think. And I was like watching that then. I was like, this is really familiar. Where have I seen yeah. it? <laughs> and it's right here. Mm. Yep. Like, bits of this episode are already in the title, the pre-titles. I mean, I think that was a pretty good pre-title sequence, cons- all uh-huh. things considered. Mm. And um, like, there was some increased frame rate in like some bits, like when Skullcap was first uh, fighting off the Heathrow security guards. Um, I-, I think this one has maybe a little bit more care and attention. Uh, I'm impressed with his ab strength, being able to do like a back whatever thing mm. onto mm. the stairs and pull his body weight and all that stuff. Like, that's mm. fairly athletic. I can't do that. Mm. And opening the plane door from the outside. Yes. strength without any air on the inside changing any pressure or anything that's a gift so yet another school trip eh <laughs> another school trip cancelled by a nuclear warhead being the destination of the <laughs> when that happens all the time <laughs> But it is a really good question. I mean, how often are they actually in the classroom doing work? Like, mm. how, what does your curriculum plan look like? <laughs> there was a lot of English school kids that looked like that guy when I was in school. <laughs> is this guy called Moose? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he never got an action figure. But I, I do wonder if they made him look a bit like Gordo Lighter, so that if if he was the breakthrough character, they could always just recolor the uh, the action figure. <laughs> this bit reminds me of Dino the Day, when uh, I was just expecting some Korean soldier to fall out of the punch bag. I, I was going to say I love that it's an official branded like scum punch bag thing. That's too. right. This like James Bond Junior went somewhere and he you was like, it. "I want scum printed on my <laughs> punching bag." He got it from scumstore.com. <laughs> it was only seven thousand dollars. <laughs> and what's the the image of skull? Like, is that supposed to be like half a skull, rather than say an octopus? For yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's how they raise all their cap- <laughs> capitalist merch. <laughs> who knew all this time it was the merchandise file you know funding this terrorist organization it is quite nice seeing bond jr we just saw him he just like shouted and punched the punching bag there he's getting quite riled up about this whole situation it's probably the most um heightened emotion we've sort of seen from him in the series so far i think mm-hmm. uh you know he's, that getting, quite, he's getting quite passionate. animated yeah, yes. Which <laughs> is something we will not tolerate in this series. <laughs> just just five frames a second tops. <laughs> but you're right, he got quite annoyed about it, didn't he? Mm. So this is a school that doubles as basically a prison. <laughs> mm. So a thing about costuming, which I find very interesting, and how cartoons are different than any other show, most shows, 
you never see a person wear anything more than once, right? And and especially like in the fashion world as a woman, when you pay attention, you know, it's so faux pas if you wear the same jacket twice, right? It's this idea of consumer culture and it's constantly being promoted. And I do find it interesting. Again, I understand the animation component of it, everybody wearing the same clothing. It makes sense for the design and, and, and the archetype of the characters. But I find it so fascinating that this is so different than Mm. What actually mm. happens in like the grown up world where it's all about marketing the clothing and the lifestyle versus here it's about like we need to identify the character so that we can sell you a different type of merchandise and mm. we can make the animation process a little bit easier. Mm. So, yeah. So she's called Mercy Boku. Didn't expect that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. All right. And, um, you know, that escalated quickly, didn't it? So mm. he's already smitten by her. Tracy's right there. Mm. It's not a very Wait, good what? Whoa, 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 whoa. What is this? What is this? <laughs> is, is, that the, is that the first reference we've had to actual James Bond? Uh, no, this is the first reference to the actual man from Uncle that. Pen communicator. You know, yeah. Oh, okay. James didn't get my memo about the flaxen. Sorry, but it's like too freaking obvious. I know. It's like that is such a direct steal. Mm-hmm. I guess it was a pencil communicator rather than a pen. That's maybe that's how they figured they could get around it. But and they're heading straight towards these big mountains off the coast of France. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like it's like I'm in Dunkirk. <laughs> that looks like the uh that looks like the paramount logo mountain <laughs> it looks a bit like the island they go to in uh, king kong the 30s one uh, I, oh, oh yes ah. that's where it's from so all the crew yeah. are dead at this point <laughs> i'm i'm really mm. loving though how much action we've had so far yeah mm. And that reminds me of, isn't it Thunderball, where the boat's out of control? And, yep. and- yeah, mm-hmm. it is Thunderball. Those, those Oscar-winning special effects with the bad special projection, rear mm-hmm. projection, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the crew's dead, but the guy's worried about serving something oh, on the silver oh. tray. <laughs> Hugh's grandson steals Dr. Quest's idea with the mirror to reflect the laser back at him. They, oh, mm-hmm. All these shots are from the titles. They really put money into this. I, I do wonder if they had it in mind as sort of like, right, we're going to make this one look extra good because we can use it in promo material. And I, uh, but, I, won- but, but, I wonder if this is the episode they used to sell it internationally. Mm, like they then, threw but, all the cash at this one, right? Mm. But then why wait till episode nine to show it? Oh, because they wouldn't. But, they wouldn't broadcast them in the order that they made them. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I get that, but you would like want to make sure you're like your best episode is the first one you show because you, you want to see, you know, bring all the viewers in. Except that they had to do the kind of introduce all the characters stuff, which sucked up half the first episode. And yeah. these are all original villains, and I think they probably wanted to get all the references in early. Hmm. Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah, because to this point, we've had Goldfinger and Doctor No, Odd Job, yeah. Jaws. Yeah. Did, did you, sorry, James. Did you say before that this was the episode they used on a lot of um, the international videotapes for this program? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Th- so for a lot of the audience watching at the time, this would have been the first episode. Mm. If they didn't watch it broadcast, that's yeah, mm. that's right. Yeah. 
This was also novelized. It was also in a comic book. Mm. And just a Hubbercraft reference to uh, Mm -hmm. Die Another Day and its use of it at the the beginning. So look at the influence of James Bond Jr. right here. Well, well also the Hubbercraft in uh, Diamonds Are Forever, how Bond went from uh, England to uh, the Netherlands. There's a lovely mm. French accent on that line. It's like, my pigs, my pigs. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. What's the villain's name again? Butthead? Skullhead. Buttcap. Skullcap. Yes, sorry. Skullcap. Okay, because, you know, because, you know, oh, never mind. Never mind. I don't want to go for it. Skullcap is the new. No, spin. no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, second Matt Helm movie, the guy with the metal top of his head that, Matt Helm then gets the giant magnet and z- zooms him up and like blows him up eventually. But uh, uh, never mind, never mind. It's not very many people in Paris. <laughs> well, there is news that a nuclear warhead's loose, so maybe That's everyone's true. gone. <laughs> There's all run away. There's a scare out. Like, oh, I'm going to stand on Sacre Bleu. There's a nuclear bomb out there. I'm going to stay in my house. <laughs> Only, only could, a handful of tourists are standing around. Yeah, so, so they're looking, nobody else. Right. They're right. looking for a metal gantry that a missile could possibly be launched from. <laughs> well, that narrows it down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, red bow tie. That's a bad look. Bad look, <laughs> James Bond Jr. Yeah. But red does sell well, toy-wise, so I do wonder if that was uh, <laughs> uh, the real reason. Yeah. And James Bond Jr. can't even tie the bow tie. Oh, that's a bad look. Bad. I don't think you should be disparaging oh. to people that can't tie bow ties. Right, Kevin? <laughs> when when you are when when you are James when your name is James Bond, even if you're a junior, it's like it is expected you can tie the bow tie. It's like, you know, your your well, uh, uncle set a high bar here. He just pulls the pin out of a landmine and throws it out the window to see if it works. I mean, <laughs> a, a beret landmine. Right. You hear about people throwing their TVs out the window of a hotel, but he throws a landmine. <laughs> oh, he got his, uh, they have his uh, Dick Tracy uh, wrist radio. Doesn't he give him the same watch every week? <laughs> yeah, it just, it just does something else. Uh-huh. I think pacing wise, I do think this episode is a, a, a paced a bit more. Um, uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, I, it, it feels less like it's speeding through. Like some of the ones we've watched, they just like throw you right into it, and you're sort of like, "Wait, what the hell's going on?" And some of them can be a bit slow. I think this one just tick along at a good pace. I think it's it's doing things that you would expect from a kid Bond thing. Like he's come to Paris, and his gadgets are like a beret and a baguette well, also also less of a need for you know dialogue to explain things we just you know it's like if you've been like watching it this long it's like okay like you you should know the format by now so hmm. we, we don't have to explain things as much yeah who's gonna be walking around with a baguette like just randomly well, pull out a store according to Liam Neeson and Taken everybody <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. I, I don't know if you've been to France, but uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. they're just missing the string of onion grenades. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's figured it out. He's figured out the pencil. Yeah. Where's the mustache and glasses come from? <laughs> That's his disguise, <laughs> you know. Oh. Uh. <laughs> 
great. It's the, second, it's, the second, this one. it's the second episode we've seen him do that with uh, champagne. You should never mm. add alcohol to a fire. If you're watching at home, please never <laughs> copy James Bond Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you're underage, like James Bond Jr. Well, it's just James Bond Jr. learned from his uncle. I can remember that thing with Mr. Went and Mr. Kid. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. toss, the, toss the alcohol on the, or was, was it Winter Kid that like set him on fire? But yeah. So Mercy Boku is a bit of a badass. Mm. Did you see the backflip? She kicked and then like did a backflip and landed. Mm. That's ridiculous. Without her dress popping up. Yeah. <laughs> not that there's much too. of a not that there's much of a dress to pop up, but yeah. So when I first saw this, I honestly thought her father was gonna be Mattis. Oh, oh. Mm. oh that would have been But it's some just oh. generic p- police guy. Um oh. And of course, this is uh, Dr. D. Range, the yeah. main villain of yes. the episode. Yes. With <laughs> the dodgy accent. And, uh, and, and, oh, okay, so he's the main villain, and Butthead is his henchman. Is that yeah. right? Sorry, I keep calling him Butthead, sorry. But uh, Steelhead, whatever. That's a kind of trout. <laughs> So she's a French secret agent. She wants to be a secret agent. She wants to be. Oh, yes, yes. This, yes. She's a junior in training secret agent, just as James Bond Jr. is a training secret agent. Yes. So how old would that make her? Because I always find it interesting that he's, you know, going out on dates with with a variety of women, but all these women are not high school students. Like they are 18, 19, 18, 19, maybe Mm -hmm. college age. Maybe. Depends which country he's in, right? Yeah, and depends on the episode <laughs> and who's writing it. Because <laughs> it's not like they're like coordinating among the various production teams. Oh, man. Oh, this is a pretty... Oh, quite the villain's lair. It's like, right. yes, I... Yes, I, uh, I, yes, he, he grabbed uh, some uh, production sketches from You Only Live Twice. I built this thing. I stole these ideas from Ken Adam. <laughs> Somewhere in the Paris suburbs There's a huge pile of dirt <laughs> <laughs> And it's like you know, yeah. And imagine when it, when it was being built Like blue. What are they doing over there Oh, don't You do not want to see this No, no just, I think we just, should get you to dub this episode Bill, For Dr. Durain <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep walking Keep walking You do not want to see this I'm just, I have to get home uh, well, at least James Bond Jr.'s red bow tie. It, I forget the style where you can see like the strap around it, right. around the collar. It's like at least it's like okay, it's it's a good red bow tie as opposed to that other kind of red bow tie. Oh, they're just outside <laughs> the Arc de Triomphe, so it's like yeah. we are like we are literally in downtown Paris here. The only kids around. It's about one a.m. Yeah, it's like yeah, Paris. They kind of they kind of shut up things after about one a.m. I base that on actual personal experience. It's like it's not as they don't stay out as late as you think. Oh, they've been arrested! Oh my goodness! <laughs> so, so the gantry was halfway up the missile before, and now they're at the top. That's right. <laughs> Went from halfway to like three quarters way, five sixths way. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. 
So if only we could work out where this gantry is, right? So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody noticed. <laughs> and underneath the biggest tourist attraction in the country. All, it's all those Parisians are asleep. It's like gotta get up early in the morning. <laughs> Uh, I, I've climbed the stairs on the Eiffel Tower, and yeah. I, I wish there was a missile that could get you up there. <laughs> <laughs> <My word. laughs> yeah. oh, man. oh, and of course, this convenient roller cable. What is it? This thing of cable. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh he's using a handbag. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're wondering how the rocket flies through the pointy bit at the top, don't worry, because you don't get to see that bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, man. So the plot is he wants to destroy Moscow with a nuke that will blame his home country, I guess, for some reason. Where did he get that costume, the green thing? The green skin-tight costume. Oh, I got it from Villains R Us, I guess. Yeah, and in the early <laughs> 90s, where did he get a 60-foot screen from as well? That's And, and also, it's like, he, he, he's kind of drawn like he's the Joker. He's like, you know, the, hmm. like the Joker with flesh, you know, regular flesh tones. Oh, that's like, true, yeah. But like, hmm. you know, the shape of his face, like, comes to a, like, really pointy chin. Looks just like, you know, the Joker, this way he was drawn circa 1970s, 80s. Mm. Is this the first time James Bond Jr. has been smooched? Because he looks like he's just seen a dead person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and the one sidekick wears, what, purple lipstick? That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know what it means, but. Oh, he didn't a, notice any of them were missing. Right. Just going to go on my cross-country run in my lab coat. <laughs> <laughs> He's a terrible teacher, Mr. Mitchell, a terrible guardian. Uh, He's not uh, terrible. He's just not the most observant guy. <laughs> <laughs> Little things get by him, like guys in students in raincoats or uh, professor coats, whatever. <laughs> lab coats. Sorry. When your one job is to be a chaperone... <laughs> and you're not chaperoning. Like you have one job, and that's it. Oh, that's the end. <laughs> James Bond Jr. Well, so do you think that's a good? If that was the episode they used to sell it internationally, do you think that was a representative of the series? Uh, the, the ending's damp, I think. It, it doesn't really have much of a climax. Uh, but I think, uh, certainly earlier on, for about two-thirds of it, I think it's pretty pretty high-tier James Bond Jr., if there is such a place. Um, well, I'll, I'll put it this way. It's a step up, which is not necessarily the highest bar to step up to, but it's like, because again... Referring to earlier episodes where there's a, all this explanation, it's like, okay, at least we get past that. At least we kind of get into the story such as it is. But, uh, eh, no, no, it's. You wait till we have to give our top five episodes. Right. I, I won't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Top five Bond Juniors. We'll start an in Instagram hashtag. Like, <laughs> well, well, 
<laughs> okay, I've actually I, this this will shock you. I've actually been thinking about this a lot, and uh, you know the idea of having a way to try and expand the Bond fan base and trying to reach out to younger people. I think it was actually a good idea. Like you know, now, some people demand my James Bond fan card from me for saying that, but um, but in the beginning, in the beginning of the film series, um, you know, young people were drawn to this, you know, because James Bond, that's an adult character, and you know, the blunt instrument, and all that. It's like the kids were like, you know, came into it like really early on. And and Harry, there's a quote attributed to Harry Saltzman. I've cited this before, where Saltzman supposedly said, "James Bond is sadism for the entire family," and um, but it's true. It it really did reach out to kids in the '60s, um, and then gradually the fan base began began getting older. So I realized they wanted to go and kind of reach out to younger people, but. The key thing is execution's not quite there. And there are like other examples of mm-hmm. things that reach out to young people. I, I always cite Johnny Quest, but seriously, Johnny Quest was Hanna-Barbera's answer to James Bond because Johnny Quest, well, he's just a boy like any other boy, except that his father is like America's leading scientist and his tutor slash bodyguard is America's leading secret agent. But other than that, he's just an ordinary boy. And, you know, they had... But, the cartoons are like really well done, at least the first version. Um, I realize it's unfair to kind of compare this to, to the first version of Johnny Quest. It's probably like more fair to compare it to the second version of the eighties because that version was also done for syndication on a budget. I don't, uh, yeah, on a budget. It's definitely much cheaper than the original Johnny Quest. So that's probably a fairer comparison, but still, it's like eh. it's just, yeah. So, what do we think of the new characters introduced here? Uh, we've got Buttcap, um, <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Derange, and Marcy Boku, who we won't see again. I thought Doctor, Marcy Boku uh, kicked some ass. Doctor, mm. yeah, 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 she did. She did. I would agree with that. I, and, I liked. I I got a very um, oh, what's her name? Um, Agent Parody vibe from. Oh yeah, Nightfire. Yeah, mm. and and the more I think about that name, Doctor. Der- Derange, maybe they really were ripping off the Joker. Again, mm. not you know because again it's flesh colored, it's normal flesh. He's not white, you know, etc. But really, it did remind me of the Joker there toward the end with the facial structure and all that. <laughs> so mm. did that rank for you, Lisa? You know, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I'm with Calvin. I liked the first two thirds of it. I thought it was really exciting to see all of the action and to see, you know, an action sequence in, in the air and then to see an action sequence on the water. I like it when we start switching things up and utilizing different elements. I thought that it had a really strong um, female lead. I did like Marcy Boku and I love the play on the name, but I also think that she was just really capable and competent and can hold her own. And I'm always looking for that in, in, in any sort of representation. And then like, Dr. Derange, like the name itself is amazing. Like it's, it's, it's so good. Like I was holding in my giggle when you commented on, on his name. Um, 
So, I mean, I kind of, I, I'm a big pun person. Like if we're going to, you know, create these funny names, we should create them for everyone. Um, and let's not make it about sex and sexuality. Let's make it about a whole bunch of things. So I really like, he's like Walker D plank, right. you know, he's like on the same level for me. Um, but I would have liked to have seen more of him. I felt like we saw a lot of his, his hench person a yeah. lot through this episode. And I would like to have seen him behind the scenes a little bit earlier. But overall, I think it's it's a pretty good um, episode. It could have ended a little better, but I thought it was overall pretty pretty strong. And you could see, like, as we were watching, I'm like, that's in the opening credits, and that's in the mm-hmm. opening credits. <laughs> um, and I, as somebody who loves action films, I love action in in animation as well. So I thought it I thought it did really well. I tell you what, I'd give it a B, which for me. When it comes to James Bond Jr. is pretty high, so <laughs> that's I'll yeah, say I'd, no more. I'd, I'd, I really enjoyed it. Be. I, I I think it'd be my favorite of the ones we've done so far. I really like that. Yeah. Um, I also I also mm. really like that this time Bond and the gang went looking for the trouble, like they set out on a mission rather than usually they're mm. on a class trip and then they kind of just stumble into it. Right. Um, it felt a bit more driven this time. Hmm. That's true, actually. It's nice that he's out to kind of like, like the whole, his whole motivation is that he really wants to have this school trip to Paris and there's this pesky <laughs> missile that's preventing it. <laughs> like, so he kind of goes out to stop it. But I, I agree, I think it's quite nice. The lives, of nine million, the lives of nine million people don't care. I'm missing my school trip. <laughs> right. I'm missing my school trip. <laughs> but Sean I, Sean, I think you're onto something there because in this cartoon, they at least appear, you know, Bond Jr. and his friends at least appear to be more proactive as mm. opposed to just things happen to them. Mm-hmm. It also it also felt like a very James Bond thing to do. Like when yeah. M tells Bond he's no longer on a mission and he can't do it, like he goes and does it. Mm. Right. I, I got the same. I could yeah. see the connection of the characters there. Right, mm. which is now all the movies, but we won't go there. <laughs> but uh... so this is the first one where you went rogue. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> I don't know. License to Kill was just before this. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this and this is Bond Junior, not Bond, but still, yeah. yeah. See, we're but, only we're only into episode nine of sixty four, and he's already gone rogue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In episode twelve would be retired, <laughs> and then episode fifteen retired again. <laughs> no episode. aging. Episode fourteen, he's brought back. Oh, okay, Bond Junior, we need you back here. And then episode fifteen, okay, get out of here. You go rogue all the time. Not going to let you graduate unless you come back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, should we move on to episode ten? Yeah, oh, by all means. These are um, a bit of a subterranean duo. These episodes. Oh, okay, a worm in the apple. So it's, I assume we're talking about New York here. Oh, is the correct answer, Bill. This is what I mean about oh. spoilers in the titles. It's um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They just mm-hmm. give it away, don't they? Well, especially when you have the Statue of Liberty in the first shot, but right yeah, or second shot. But it's also <laughs> another school trip. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. We'll oh, see. maybe not. Maybe a yeah. vacation. Okay. Uh, All right. Let me know when it's okay to hit play. All right. Everybody ready? Yes. Yeah. Yep. All right. A worm in the apple. In three, two, one, play. It's a quite a realistic Statue of Liberty for the Ooh, open nice show. jazzy version yeah. of uh, James Bond Junior theme here. Yeah, 
Uh, you can so see a kink the- line happening to this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, phone booth. Yeah. <laughs> Remember those? I do. What's a phone booth? Phone. It's, it's for two people. <laughs> that's a big phone booth, too. It's like, you can get Is like that two like a phone mobile booths. phone that's not mobile? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's big enough for Clark Kent to change into Superman in. I'm just saying. But- yeah, what does Superman do now? <laughs> oh, well, that, of course, was the whole thing with the first uh, Christopher Reeve movie where it wasn't a phone booth. It was like just a phone. <laughs> he looked at it. That was a Tom Mankiewicz yeah. movie. Uh, where he looks at it, he looks up and down, and then he like runs off. He goes into like a revolving door to change into That's Superman. Right. But anyway, did, so that sorry. was a bit of that was a bit of a letdown of pre-tales, wasn't it? Some did we just gets... watch a murder? <laughs> yes, yeah, we I'm, did. I'm... <laughs> oh, does he not come back? <laughs> no. Oh wow! Oh. Yeah, the death count's already going. We're a minute mm-hmm. in. <laughs> wow. So now we're seeing lots of clips of the episode we just watched. <laughs> I know, and, and also you, you can imagine there was like some executive. What you killed off somebody in the first minute? What? How did this happen? Oh, sorry, boss. <laughs> There's an awful oh wow! There are a lot of shots from that preceding episode. Whoa. It's also the representation of sort of like we were in New York and then it, it, everyone was dressed kind of like you know 1930s yeah. sort of like uh, oh, newsy all, kind of thing. It was very odd. And also all the all the homeless people are white, right. which I don't think is exactly the case. It wasn't even the case in New York in 1991. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Oh, new teacher. Yeah. Yeah, it's his first day on the job. He's got to teach the super class. <laughs> He's got his X-ray oh. glasses on for that teacher, has he? Is this where Bruce Fairstein got that idea for the world is not enough? <laughs> just, just raising the question, not saying it's so. Somebody at Google was watching this and like, uh huh. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh dear oh what? look at the controller <laughs> Just look how, much, at it. how much does that controller weigh five pounds right. it's, it's <laughs> kind of big <laughs> it looks like a uh, uh cell phone circa 1984 um this is some random evil knievel reference Hmm. Yeah, that. Yeah. Huh. How big are I'm those lockers? Right. <laughs> the size of them. You can you can hide you can hide treasure noseworthies in them. In in San Francisco, there are apartments that size. Um, <laughs> oh God. Um. I'm sorry. I still I still have never gotten over how uh, lighters is it son grandson whatever is just. It, He's looking for how, his tall, gorgeous, incredible females. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereupon, like, whereupon the lighter of the novels, I just reread uh, Casino Royale. Like, lighter of the novels is kind of like an average-looking guy. He's got light hair and whatever, but like, you know, he's not. But I he's think, not on steroids. I think. I think um, Phil pointed out that maybe Mrs. Lighter um, had sex with some other guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 
There you go. That's how that works. <laughs> it's like the farkles from laughing. You know, you know what that is? Google it. I'm not going to explain it. Um, did, did Bond Jr. just say to the principal, you never give us permission to go anywhere? Right. It's just them are in a foreign country. Gas, gaslighting yeah. the principal. Right. <laughs> and, and clearly the principal has doesn't have the best sense of memory. Like, right. <laughs> oh, you're right, James Bond Jr. Of course, you know, it's like, here, we'll send you to New York. Make up for it. <laughs> So Phoebe's dad is on the bank that lent the money to build the building, and so she's got to go to the opening. That's the plot. Hmm. Oh, and here we are, the school on the cliffs of Dover or wherever, but yeah. Hmm. What a suite that Bond and Q have. (laughs) (laughs) It's also not very typical. Oh, maybe it is at boarding schools, actually, for students to share rooms, but... Well, I, I will tell you, it is not typical of a state-supported <laughs> dormitory, <laughs> state-supported university dormitory rooms. They are not that big. I, <laughs> when I sent my daughter off the University of Michigan, they had, she and her roommate had a lot tighter space. Hmm. Oh, and of course, a pen, which is really a feather. I'm like, oh, like, great. Trevor, Trevor writes with a quill. Right. Yeah. I heard. <laughs> and and how many monitors does the principal have in his office four five looked a lot (laughs) never mind yes oh so is this just bond jr trevor and phoebe on a most unlikely trio (laughs) i was gonna say yeah that yeah they're not really fan favorites phoebe and trevor uh So Tracy's doing the whole obsessive ex-partner thing of stalking the other person through the glasses mm. this whole episode, mm-hmm. which isn't oh, a good and, look. Oh, and here's the uh, purple lipstick again with the one sidekick. She's she really, is. she's really pissed. Yeah, mm-hmm. Broadway arms with the uneven lettering on the side. <laughs> <laughs> A little sloppy workmanship there. Oh, don't, don't. Have you ever watched a White House briefing, Bill? Yeah. Oh, and the, oh, the, yes, the I have. No. Behind. Oh. oh, I know. I know. Oh, he's got a quill as well. What the hell is all this quill? <laughs> <laughs> there must have been like a clearance sale on quills on both sides of the Atlantic. Oh, no. <laughs> Why do you oh, put his glasses no. on oh, for no. this? Why do you think? <laughs> So he could see her with a slightly darker tint. <laughs> right. Oh, they drew a boob line as well. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> see, I, see, I think, I think, I think the unseen shots were like the X-ray shots. So, huh. yeah. just to give Q a little something, something. <laughs> so they've just met, and she's already got her arms wrapped around him. Well, it's like it's like in the original movies, like what? in Doctor No, when like the room clerk, you know, like is like eyeing Connery, like it, she looks like you know you can like see the X-ray things coming out of her eyes, look, like looking at him up and down, like ooh, he's great. I'm, I'm sorry, a runaway cart pulled by a horse running away from an explosion in a sewer is the least yeah. New York thing I think I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Horses are quite hard to animate, uh, yes. traditionally. <laughs> yeah, they don't hold still so you can draw them. 
They did okay in that 1966 Lone Ranger cartoon I watched as a kid, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, it's hard. Back to the sewers. Ah. He's in the sewer with a gas lamp. But, yeah, uh, that, that's going to end well. <laughs> well, also, like, really roomy New York City sewers as well. But, but you know what? Fair play to them. They didn't just reuse the backgrounds from the last episode. They did... Right. You know, right. there is a distinct difference between this and the Parisian uh, sewers we just saw, which is something. Point taken. Absolutely fair point to make. <laughs> but uh, so, still, I, I suspect the New York City sewers probably aren't that roomy. Just no, no, the old Bond family cure is to go dance to loud, loud music. I'm sorry, when they were walking away then, was that not Tracy, the character model there, rather than the new character? Mm. Uh, I'll go back and look at that at the end. So we're introduced to the worm here. Oh, I've never seen this chat before in a James Bond Jr. episode. Maybe his only episode. Oh, is it actually? Oh, poor worm. (laughs) He didn't. He didn't get a figure. I know that much. At least he gets to uh, stand upright, as opposed to say the mole and Dick Tracy. But uh, here, everybody's everybody's (laughs) slow dancing to very loud rock music. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this strobing wouldn't uh, wouldn't yeah go now. This would definitely yeah. be flagged as, uh, <laughs> as an issue. Yeah. Oh, the worm's in two episodes. He's in Pompeii and Circumstance. We'll see him again. <laughs> of course, he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that close-up shot. Oh, okay. So is it is he just doing it deliberately to piss Tracy off? Hmm. Well, no, it was that other guy. I know, then, but I mean, like, why do oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> this series is not the bit best on explanation of motive. <laughs> Just things kind of happen every so often. Oh, oh man, this is like uh, this is like the Mole Man here with yeah. his uh, you know, system of uh, caverns. Hmm. I love I like the word goatee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. He, he, yeah, he takes enough time every morning to shave just, you know, to <laughs> that goatee. Have any of you seen a Goofy movie, the animated one? Oh, yes. He reminds me a bit of Polly Shore's character that's voiced. Does oh. not like like the leaning power of Cheesa, but like his facial structure <laughs> just just reminding me of a Goofy movie. That yeah, should be an, true, epi- yeah. an episode title for James Bond Junior. <laughs> That's right, James Bond Jr. The unmade second so season. Here's the casino, here's the casino royale finale. Yeah, there, <laughs> done. Maybe this is why Barbara Broccoli wants to uh, bury this whole series because yeah. it is a just a minefield of uh, uh, tropes. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Text. In, in the preceding shot in the background, you could see. CK Club. Right, right. Now, like, that suggests a swear yeah. word. <laughs> right. I, we'll come back to that at the end. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Whoa. So everybody's disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> it's 10 o'clock. They had to all go home. Well, they got buried and then everybody disappeared. <laughs> that too. <laughs> you know, if my building's just sunk into the ground, I'm going to push the button for the elevator. Because, yeah. <laughs> It's going to work. <laughs> Come on, James Bond Jr. Oh. 
Trevor doesn't have very good survival instincts. No. No, no in They're fact, terrible. If, if, if this were a um, horror movie, he would be the first one to get killed. <laughs> because it because those those movies it's always goes from the stupidest person to the smartest person in terms of victims. So he'd be you know, he'd been done at like the five minute mark of this cartoon if they had that sort of thing going, but There's no police, no fire trucks. They took the night off. <laughs> I, can, I can get no sense of the geography of this whatsoever. <laughs> what, like it doesn't feel like New York to you? No, no, I don't, I don't know where they've just come out on a roof, but roof. also uh, on the road, on a roof, on yeah. a building that's just collapsed. I, I'm really confused. Hmm. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. That's twice he could have been dead already. Yeah. <laughs> Shucks. At this point, I guess he is like a sort of a just slightly annoying friend, isn't he? Like at the start of the series, yeah. he's very much an antagonist, Trevor. And at this point, he's kind of coming along for the adventures and hanging out with the gang. Yeah, he, he's like uh, Barney Fife in the Andy Griffith show, I think, is kind of where he's at. <laughs> this is <Google> like that. <laughs> this is pizza delivery for somebody who's never seen pizza delivery. <laughs> <laughs> How many pizzas is he delivering? <laughs> and you just like hijack his truck, like, right. and he lets you. He's like, "Yeah, sure, come on in, eat my pizza." So he apologizes for IQ for waking him up, but IQ's in the UK. It's nighttime in New York. Yeah, that's right. Five hours difference. So <laughs> it's, it's, should it's be right. having his it's, dinner. Well, well or, or breakfast. It's like maybe dawn. Right. Or maybe okay. Junior and his friends really know how to party, and this is like 5 a.m. in New York. Okay, so yeah, so it's noon in, uh, or late morning in the UK, yeah. Oh, can tell when it's going to commercial. Yeah, horrified look. That was a classic <laughs> animation shot, that wasn't it? We're going to crash, yeah. zoom in on everyone's faces. Oh, man. I guess the good thing about having your base underground is you've got these access points everywhere through the city. Hmm. And you only how- have to draw one tunnel. That's right. But, like, how heavy are those grates, though? Like, those things aren't easy to lift. They're pretty he- I mean, he lifted it up like it was nothing. Hmm. Hmm. I think the um, character design of the worm's quite interesting. He feels sort of more removed from the right. style of the show than I think all of the villains to this point. Like, there's Ooh. a more cartoony sort of shape to him. Uh, I know that they're going for this whole worm thing, and fair play to them yeah. for doing that, but it is just, oh. yeah, feels a bit like a good diorama. Also, <laughs> also, James Bond Jr. fell a fair distance mm-hmm. there. He just gets right up, like, oh, I'm fine. Like, I, I realize he's a young chap, and like, you know, but still, it's like, I, I think, I think made him might look, be They've made him look like a pimp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I guess he has uh, problems with his eyes because otherwise he wouldn't need uh, sunglasses underground. <laughs> That's your Felix Slider. Hmm. Maybe he has a car simulator thing going on too. It's you not never just know. a diorama; it explodes. Mm. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you my plan, <laughs> and then leave you down. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> all right. <sighs> never mind. Oh. Never mind. No, was there mean. was. There yeah. was. 
Oh. He's his very tiny eyes. Yeah. Mm. That's why he has to wear the sunglasses. He's the villain who must always wear sunglasses no matter what the lighting conditions. This is not a new thing. It was like in 1963, I think it was, there was this there was this Robert Altman directed TV episode with music by John Williams where they, you know, the police are after a psychopathic killer and he happens to have to wear sunglasses even at night. And like eventually when they catch him, he loses his sunglasses and he like loses his shit because you know, he can't t- stand the light, et cetera, et cetera. This is a hmm. well-worn trope. Even it was old, even when this was made hmm. is what I'm trying to say. Hmm. So is Q here actually related to our Q, the main yeah, Q? his grandson. Grandson. Yeah. This is something they don't really do too much in the Bond films, which is like try and explain it to somebody, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, right," and put the phone down. <laughs> well, 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 it happened. Remember, it happened in a View to a Kill, and Bond tries to explain it to the police guy. Yes, and then he like says, and like, really, seriously, he says, "Yeah, I'm Dick Tracy, and you're right. still under arrest," and that's you know goes on right. from there. So- the grand opening of the world's tallest building has about 22 people. <laughs> <laughs> Why is there a beef eater? Yeah. This is New York's version of Hamley's, I think, in the plot. Oh. I wondered Be- where this beef story thread was going till the end. I was like, oh, really? Like, the setup took the whole thing to the controller. Well, he just spoke, so he's a rubbish beef eater. Oh, is that controller <laughs> the same one as the glasses? Was it, a, was, it, yeah. was it a product placement uh, deal? Maybe. That looks like <laughs> that guy wore a cummerbund to this. Right. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh. They should have made his limo like a stretched white limo versus just to f- <laughs> complete the pimp look. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a reason why, I guess, because I'm wondering, like, he's the villain for the New York episode, and I do wonder if they've gone for this kind of flamboyant, sort of Broadway theatre director type with him, and that's where this, yeah. like, sort of, you know, coat comes from. And uh, I, I did I like know. that little touch of Bond stopping to Comey's hair. I thought that was pretty good. Mm. It's like eating the grape and Thunderball. Mm. I... I'm curious to see how all this is going to come together, I must say. Uh, oh, right. Uh, okay. There we go. Yep. <laughs> wow. And the continuity with the guy, the glasses on the villains really annoying. Yep. It like he's switches got, between, yeah. He's got him back, hasn't he? Yeah. And then he's not. And then he's got him back and then he's not. Yeah, I noticed that before. I'm like, does he have a second pair of glasses? Nope, nope, mm-hmm. that was that was an error. Yeah, and apparently a villain can't afford a hairpiece either. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, on the bald side. Again, this is where I'm wondering if they're going for like a Howard Ashman kind of thing. Um, mm. oh, yeah, anyway. Don't get smooched again. I'm still surprised about it. Mm-hmm. So here we go. You guys all love this. I, I couldn't start laughing when I saw this earlier. So Junior's got glasses with Tracy and she's saying she's going to keep an eye on him for the rest of his life with mm-hmm. these things. 
Oh no. <laughs> Is he going to walk into the men's room or something? Or? Better than that. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> now that is. <laughs> wow. That's all kinds of wrong. <laughs> That's. <laughs> wow. That is high class comedy. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a worm in the apple and a snake in the men's room. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, dear. Oh, I'm not sure there's anything left to be said about James Bond Jr. after this installment. That definitely wouldn't air today. Wow. <laughs> All right. I, I was expecting a bad pun or something. Yes. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I was reading the captions like really closely, and I'm just like, where are they going with this? So they went mm. there. Oh, they they, they went there. And then worse, some. worse than I thought. <laughs> oh, and then some. Um, man. But she kept them on. Why didn't she just take them off? Like she's like, oh, but she's still looking. Just rip them off. Deer in the headlights, maybe. Oh my oh, gosh. Gosh. All right. So what does that do to Tracy's story arc? <laughs> oh, I, I'd say it ran it straight into the ditch. And... Uh, Mm-hmm. Oh, they're, they're in a school. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, seriously, that's like really serious stuff at, say, oh, I don't know, Penn State University. So, like, here it's like not even university. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that, uh, I guess that, uh, no, never mind. Bad joke. I won't go there. But I don't really like Tracy's story arc. No. Like, mm-hmm. this idea that she's just going to be obsessive and I don't want to say stalkerish, but I'm going to watch you. And, and I don't know. I don't like it when we set up women and like, that's their only role is to be competing with other women for the affection of one guy and to play sort of that jealous type of role when she could, she could do something else, anything Mm -hmm. else, or just not be on screen. I, I just don't like that type of portrayal. In well, cartoons, because it teaches, I think it socializes a very particular type of behavior and expectations. And it particularly, um, particularly as uh, Phoebe has a little crush on Bond mm-hmm. Jr. as well. So you think yeah. like the two, you know, girls in the main cast of the school kids are both sort of defined by their uh, crushes on him in different ways. But it's, yeah, it, it's not great. And then you think about, I, I, you know, the Bechdel test, right? And mm-hmm. and it's, I think that's a very low bar for the representation mm-hmm. of women on screen. It's super low, but like, do you have two women? Do they have names? And do they talk about something other than a man? Do they even mm-hmm. talk to each other? You know what I mean? And everything is just really centered around Bond. And I don't think that this is a show that would pass the Bechdel test at no. all. And again, that's a super low bar for representation. <laughs> mm. I can't believe they got away with that ending, though. <laughs> Still, yeah. sorry, I can't get my head around it. It's like all the people that went through, and everybody said it was okay. 
I mean, at least we didn't see the perspective through the glasses because that would have sucked. <laughs> I would have been, been traumatized by that. <laughs> could be worse, but it could be better. <laughs> well, it, would it be okay if I just said a sort of general philosophical thing about James Bond Jr.? Like, is this possible? Yes, it is possible, but can I say it? I think that James Bond Jr. is a case where the commercial aspects overwhelm the artistic aspects, you know, and, and there are reasons for that. And I understand how it happened, but it's, it happened. But at the same time, there are cases of cartoon studios where like the artistic aspects overwhelm the business aspects and things like went wrong for that reason. And I won't go into a detailed explanation, but like just Google UPA, United Productions mm-hmm. of America, where it's like the artists ran things and like for 10 years they had great run, but like they needed like a stronger business influence to kind of like anticipate what was coming in the future. And they didn't. And then they got ran over like, a you know, like somebody with by a truck. So, um, yeah, I just it's it's always a balance between art. And commerce, and this is a case where commerce like overwhelmed the art, and uh, you know, whatever. But uh, I just see this thread throughout all these episodes, so that's all. Hmm. So, how did you rate that one, Bill, compared to the last one? Uh, not as good. It was just weird. It's like the villain didn't seem that impressive. You know, the action wasn't as as quick. It just, um, yeah. Just yeah, whatever it was. I said I gave the last one a B. I'd give this one a C, and that's kind of being generous, I think. Mm. Okay, Calvin. Uh, Yeah, no, I I agree with what Bill just said. I think the previous one we saw was really quite good, compared to all the ones that we've seen so far, and uh, this was a quite a step down it didn't have any i think we were all impressed by moments in the eiffel missile like bits of animation and action here and there and the pace felt good and it, it just felt like a, a textbook example of what a james bond jr episode should be and this felt like a step back it was and maybe it's because it's a you know phoebe and trevor aren't the best of accomplices and the villain wasn't terribly great so i had that working against it but um yeah a memorable ending, though I'll say that it has that on the Eiffel missile, so. but but not in a good way. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you think, Sean? Uh, I I I agree that the last one the last one was a lot a lot better. It's, it's I think this really highlights how uneven this is as a series and how it seems mm. like whoever was a head writer or whoever looking after the whole thing, uh, it seemed like the att- their attention dipped on certain episodes and rose on others. Mm. And I know I've, I think I've mentioned before um, the cartoon totally spies, which came yeah. about 10 years after this. And it's, ex- I, I mentioned it cause it's, it's exactly the same format. You get 20 minutes. It's, that follows three female leads who moonlight as spies, but they're in a school. So it's, it's pretty much the exact same format, but that does it so much better. You have mm-hmm. an overarching story in, in it as it gets in the later seasons. And then um, they even do, they even have their own version of scum or spectre and mm-hmm. they're all villains coming together from previous episodes. And it just, it, really shows it's really night and day between the two shows and that that show shows that 
it's possible and you can see what they were kind of trying to do with James Bond Jr. And there they actually do it. But it's this just seems like it, it needed another eye. It needed someone like overlooking the whole the series as a whole. Mm. I, I, yeah, I, I, that's the thing that I think getting me most is I really want to like James Bond Jr. And then we watch an episode and I go, I really, really like that. And the, the characters are there and the stories are kind of there. And then the next episode takes a complete dip in quality. And then the characters like Tracy in this one are doing things that are really against their character, really out of character that we've not seen before. It just doesn't seem cohesive. Mm-hmm. Well, John, I agree with everything you just said, but I'm also thinking about a previous episode where Mark Edlitz was on this mm-hmm. podcast and he was talking <laughs> about what he knew about this series. And I just think that, um, I really do think that the cartoon makers had, you know, it's a cliche, but you know, like had one hand tied behind their back in terms of doing this. And, you know, it's just, when you and again, this is another example we've cited before with the James Bond Jr. episodes about you know Batman the animated series. It was like that series had its ups and downs, but you know, like the ups and downs like occurred within a much tighter range, so to speak. It's like the worst of Batman the animated series is like better than a lot of James <laughs> Bond Jr. episodes. Mm-hmm. So it you know, and that's the nature of like mass production entertainment you know you're always going to have ups and downs but yeah just it's just i kind of wish that the makers of this maybe had a little more freedom to do things but you know you can't change it so there it is two points sean about the inconsistencies of it um we've spoken to a couple of the writers in the past and they said that they wrote scripts and then like the villain was just like switched out like the character was just swapped to balance the series or something. So their motivations were completely irrelevant. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and also if you stop to think about it, the James Bond Jr. version of Jaws actually is kind of like more horrific. Right. If you, if you let it, because I mean, it's not just, you know, an actor wearing, you know, steel dentures. It's like, you know, he apparently had his entire (laughs) lower (laughs) skull remade. And like, you know, so, you know, you, you couldn't do that in a live action movie at the time, you know, now with CGI, you probably could, but, and be genuinely menacing. But like, again, if you stop to think about it, this version of Jaws is like really nastier or should be nastier than what we got on the screen. And Skullcap, it, Skullcap's his opposite because he's got the top of his head made out of it. <laughs> Right, and, and I and I cited that Mad Hell movie, and it's like I didn't do it um, for the sake of it because it's like essentially that's what you could get away with in the '60s in live action, like this, you know, this supposedly steel top of his head, but you know, it's not very convincing. But yeah, just that's that's what it looked like, and if you could do what they did in the cartoon and do it convincingly, it would be like a lot more horrific. It's it's really interesting about the characters that carry over from the Bond franchises. That there are some episodes where characters do carry over, and things like the Aston Martin and mm-hmm. um, Bond. It's just the way Bond acts in general. He's more like James Bond in some episodes than others. Some episodes then kind of don't reference James Bond at all, or are kind of scared of it. Right. It, mm. it just seems really bipolar, and I don't I don't get what the vision was worth. 
were they trying to make a cartoon that spun off from the James Bond franchise and playing to all those strengths? Or were they trying to make a TV show that had the James Bond name, but was its own thing on its own right? And trying to do both at the same time just doesn't work. Hmm. So Lisa, what do you think of the original villain? Because you like Dr. Deranger and Walker to Plank, but what did you think of the worm? <laughs> Again, I just went straight to the end shot. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you know, like, crap. Focus. Meh. Like, there's, there's so little about this episode that, to me, is redeeming. Like, I didn't find him interesting or captivating whatsoever, from his name to his plot to you know, the gimmick of needing the glasses. Like there was nothing in this episode where I was like, ooh. And then I just, just to go back to like the Tracy thing, I was not okay with Tracy, but like, again, another random older woman shows up, is attracted to Bond, hangs out with high schoolers, like, and and is in a short skirt. And I'm just like, okay, okay. But uh, it just makes me feel a little bit disturbed that that's sort of like an image that's being just pumped out. But overall, like, I agree with sort of the broad sentiment that all of you have said that I'm just, it's very inconsistent um, across the board. And so for me, like, what I like about James Bond Jr. is sometimes that it's so bad that it's good. Mm. Like, I, I like it when things are like, like, give me Walker D playing, you know, and I'm just like, mm. oh, my gosh, that's so bad. But like, I'm going to go buy an action figure. <laughs> yeah, good. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 it sort of takes you to it's the pendulum swing. Like, it's so bad, but I'm enjoying it because it's bad. This is just boring. And this is just to me kind of bad. And I don't like feeling that way. But I think that maybe that's also people who watch it. Like, if this is your first episode of James Bond Jr., you might not watch another one. Mm. Um, and you'll miss out on some some interesting stuff. But I just didn't find and really much of what was going on in this episode compelling. And that includes the villain. Like there really wasn't anything holding me in, hooking me in. There wasn't a great hench person. Like it just is, it was lacking. And this idea of only three people going on a mission. Right. Like I kind of miss, I kind of miss Gordo. Like where was Gordo? What was Gordo doing? Like, I, I don't like Trevor. Why is there so much Trevor? Anyways. Yeah. I'm just rambling, but like, ah. That's, That's a good point it. about the lack well, of a henchman. He's just got some generic, like New York construction guy. Randos, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Lisa, what you described so bad, it's good. In the sixties, they called that camp, and the Adam West Batman show was camp. Um, but yeah, that's that idea has been around for a long time. The thing that made the Batman show different at the time was. The first episodes, like the first half season, were actually based on actual comic book stories because the producer was like given a bunch of comic books. Here, make a comic, make a show out of this. And so the problem was like once he ran out of the actual comic book stories and it was on his own, then it, then it got worse. But uh, yeah, that idea, that concept has been around for a long time. And like you said, that applies to uh, James Bond Jr., I, mm-hmm. I think the thing is with, with stuff like, with characters like Walker de Plank and that's so bad, it's good kind of feel is that there's a creative confidence to it, at least. Like as an audience, we watching it, we kind of know there's one or two things that happening. Either the 
creators are blissfully unaware of how terrible it is and really genuinely think it's great and bless them and you can kind of get behind that (laughs) or they know it's bad and so they're really playing up to that and they're like yeah fuck it we're just going to go for it and that really comes across and that really kind of engaged us as as an an audience you're right in that this is this is boring there's Mm -hmm. it's just no one's really trying kind of and i'm sorry if I've, i feel like i'm being quite harsh there but yeah. it's it's just it, it doesn't have that same gusto and I, I did any of you guys struggle to follow the plot of this one yeah i'm not really sure what happened <laughs> 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 we went to new york there was like a sewer um, and then there was like a whole bunch of devices and then there was like pictures at the end you know what? <laughs> because because what for for those listening at home that don't know, we're watching this and we're watching it and like on a low sound level or mute with captions so we can still talk to each other. And with the last one, I felt that even from just the visuals, without even having to read the the captions, I could tell what was happening the whole time. It was that right. classic show don't tell thing, which is incredibly yeah. hard to do and mm. takes a lot of effort and that just wasn't here at all in this one. Mm. Actually, I was thinking the same thing, Sean. It was like because I had never seen either of these before and so like I'm watching both of them without sound. But like the first one I could get into because of the visuals, because of the action and then this one is like what are they doing? What's even the point? It's just this weird villain guy and the second one it just eh. Whatever, well, even but, even, yeah. even the thing that the, the sunglasses, which are really integral to the plot, don't match up in between shots. Like, right. come on, guys. Mm. Well, and like I said, I, I have seen other things where like right. you had a villain who like had to wear sunglasses even the light because his eyes are real weird and all that. That's not that's that wasn't a new thing when this was made. It's less of a new thing even now, but it can be done really effectively, but it wasn't done effectively here. My opinion. So is this a today a classic example of like um, the irregularity of quality James Bond movie? I really enjoyed that first one. I had a great time with that. Yeah. So I'm just reading the notes that I made before this. Um, there's no mention of scum in this episode, so yeah. I guess the worm <laughs> is an independent contractor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I can I also say I'm really disappointed that when the worm escaped from James Bond Jr., there wasn't a gag about him being slippery. You know? Oh, wiggling away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Like that's the cheese that I live for. Like that's the leaning power of cheese. Like I'm into that. I I, I would have laughed if that was in. That's the thing. It's it, it's it's terrible, but it's it's not difficult. Like it it helps. I just really wish yes. they'd done that. Did did this episode make it out on VHS with the other one? Yes. Yeah. It was wow. the pairing that <gasps> Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, these two episodes were often tied together on VHS. Huh. Yeah, I like in his bio it says distinguishing features, colon, photosensitive. <laughs> 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 And yeah. he's, he's described as light brown hair receding with soul patch. What? <laughs> Which with is what? the go-to. With a soul patch. Oh, oh, oh. Huh. I didn't know what that was until now. 
So some good came out of this episode. Hmm. You learned something. <laughs> it's educational. <laughs> there you go, Calvin. Yeah. It's worth it. Soul patch. It, it, was, it was worth it. I'm glad they made this episode just to get your reactions to the ending. Horrified. <laughs> 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 was it? Was there? It, sorry. Was there any explanation behind all the weird anachronistic stuff, or is that just? That's just bad. Bit? Yeah. <laughs> it's just bad. bad. Production. Hmm. <laughs> 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 All right, folks. So, what was your final grade, Lisa? You're going to give it a letter on that one. On that for that one, that one get. Um, I mean, they made it. Are you going to give it a big D? <laughs> 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 oh James, how long have you had that? How long just came, it just came, that? It just came in. Just came in. Just. Grading this one <laughs> for that reason because I wasn't give it a D and I was like D minus and then you're like the big D and I'm like crap. <laughs> uh, yeah. On that note, kids, thank you very much, <laughs> Calvin, Bill, Doctor Lisa, and Sean. We're forever mentally scarred. <laughs> and oh, af- wow. after some therapy, we'll see you all next week. Yeah. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thank you.